Hello, 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 my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Thank you very much to all those who send me emails. I want you to know how much I appreciate your emails. And I want you to write not only because I welcome your questions, that is caring about you. I also want to share with you something. There is a selfish reason on my part for wanting you to write emails. I have been seeing clients and doing workshops, teaching courses for decades now, but that is all with people who I, I see in person, with whom I have eye contact. And this is a radio show. I never done radio shows before PRN. I'm still getting used to it. I don't see people that I talk to. You, I know that thousands of people listen to me because that's what they tell me. Uh, they actually know how to count how many people tune in. They tell me this at the studio. Uh, but getting letters from, from you makes it real. So thank you very much again. I want to remind those who would like to write to me and don't have my email address. My address is drpeterresnik at gmail.com. Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail.com. Last week, I had an interesting interview with Sarah Berkowitz, who is the author of Guided Imagery with Children, Successful Techniques to Improve School Performance and Self-Esteem. She is a counselor and educator. She pioneered a revolutionary approach to education using guided imagery and therapeutic storytelling. If you're interested in the subject, you can download the show from by going to prm.fm and finding Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. And it's last week's show. In fact, you can download any show from, from the very beginning. By now, I gave talks on the principles of the mind-body integrative therapy. I spoke on stress, on therapeutic use of mental imagery, on night dreams, I also invited some quite interesting uh, people for interviews. A couple of people wrote to me, uh, in fact, last week, uh, asking me to speak about stress, about depression, and about anxiety, and about night dreams again. Well, the, my intention for this week's show was, and still is, is to go back to the six pillars of well-being. Um, I want to talk to you today about jealousy and possibly ingratitude. Remember, uh, we are now on the fifth pillar, our conscious beliefs and attitudes and character traits. And I will move to the six pillars a little later, but let's first take a little detour and address the last uh, the issue that, that I just brought up, that is that to address uh, at least partially the questions uh, that you raised. Listen, I am the one who encourages you to write uh, emails to me. And so when you write, I do feel responsible. I feel I owe you to honor your requests. So let me uh, see if I can address a little bit more uh, stress, even though uh, I dedicated the whole show 
to stress on January 26, I believe. Uh, you can look it up. But for now, let me tell you a few things I don't believe I spoke about during that show. Uh, I will introduce yet another technique for stress. Um, the word stress actually originates from the Latin word distringere, which literally means to stretch out. That is, different challenges, uh, challenging events happen in our lives. Different challenging people come into our lives. And that forces us to stretch out, distringere, to stretch out, to find new ways to deal with circumstances or people. And that is a natural flow of life. Life is challenging. You know, the teachings of the Buddha begin with the word, life is difficult. Uh, just like making the first steps in your life were challenging. It was not easy. But you didn't complain. You didn't say, it's not fair. Why does it happen to me? It shouldn't be so difficult. No, you made an effort and another one and another one without judgment. That's the key. And now uh, we, we get distracted. We expect, uh, we demand that it should be different. I remember Albert Ellis, the creator of Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. I actually went to his lectures years ago, sang a song, by the way, he was a terrible singer, and I am also a terrible singer, but let me see if I can remember what he was singing. Life must be easy, people must be caring, but if they don't please me, I am most despairing. I cannot take the slightest beast of thrive, so I demand an easy life. Demand. The word, the world owes me. And I demand it because I deserve it. Listen, with this attitude, you will be always miserable and make everyone around you miserable. No one owes you anything. You were born penniless, naked. Somebody had to wipe your ass. You did not have anything, and suddenly the world owes you. Nobody owes you anything. I already spoke. I don't remember in one of the show, which one of the shows I spoke about our attitudes and expectations that we have, that uh, we have rights. People now talk about rights. I have a right to be happy. I have the right to be to have uh, health care. I have a right to be respected. These are all privileges. You need to be grateful for it. You need to fight for it. You need to earn it. These are privileges. This is not, these are not rights. Because when you have rights, you, you believe everything is a right. You're not grateful and you have all these expectations and you are distressed if you don't get what is rightfully yours. Let me introduce uh, Dr. Ellis's approach to stress. and and any life situation for that matter. He developed what he called the ABC method. Uh, so what's the ABC method? Uh, A stands for activating event. B, belief system. C, consequence. 
for example, situation happens, um, somebody let you down. And that's the activating event, your friend let you down. Or you were bypassed uh, with promotion. Again, activating event, you were not promoted and you expected that this is your time. So let's keep to C. C is consequence. You are distressed, you're upset, you're stressed. Remember, we'll not talk about it now, but the whole cascade of physical changes happen in your body. Cortisol increase, norepinephrine is flowing through your brain. That's how people get sick. Remember that an enormous amount of literature now is research done uh, and literature published on um, stress and linking stress with virtually every physical illness. It, it may be not the only source of physical illness, but stress is always one of the major contributing factors. So all that happens because of what? Because of the consequence. That is your reaction to what happened. But between A, activating event, and C, consequence, you being bent out of shape is B, and that is belief system. And of course, you have to examine when something happens, your friend let you down. So, you, and you are kind of beginning to feel distressed. Just the moment you begin to feel distressed, the moment you are feeling tight, tense, you have to ask, what is the belief behind my, my, this consequence that I experience? And the belief might, might be, uh, I am always on time. My friend has to be on time. Who said that? So you, then you go, actually, it's not on A, B, C, but then a D and E. And that is you begin to dispute. You have disputation and you ask, what is the E? What is the evidence that that must be so? People are who they are. My friend is a wonderful friend in this area. I can rely on the, my friend on, to, to share with me, to feel for me, to be supportive. But has he not been late in the past? Did he not let me down in the past? Yes, he did. So he is who he or she is who she is. And that's how they are. And that's so that while you're going through this process of dealing with the belief, you may decide to change the belief. And that's why I suggest people are who they are. This is it. Life is what it is, not what you expect it to be. The same thing with promotion. Yes, you were bypassed. And, and of course, if you begin to get distressed, you ask, what is the B? What's the belief? because I deserve it. I worked so hard and this new person came recently and he already or she already received promotion. So the belief is life must be fair or I, I deserve it. You may feel that, but somebody else may feel differently and you are not in a position of making decisions. So just by the process of focusing on that belief and choosing to change it, choosing to dispute it, you reduce stress. So, but in general, it's a good idea to remember this idea, this simple thought uh, that life is and people are not the way you want them to be, but the way they are. And it doesn't mean that you have to buy into everything and live with it. 
you can disagree. You can actually choose a, a course of action to make changes. Excuse me. At the CPT. That's up. It's absolutely your right. But to expect that things are the way you expect, that's that's kind of waste of your energy and you're setting yourself up for stress. Uh, another thing about stress I wanted to mention. So so remember, please, if you got it, if you, you understood ABCs, practice, particularly, you know, I offer many techniques on uh, using mental imagery, but not everyone uh, likes to do imagery. Not everyone can do imagery as, as easily as use logic. And ABC by Albert Ellis is a very logical technique. It's a left brain tool. So try it out. And if you have questions about it, you can either go on uh, internet. Everything is accessible now. You go Dr. Albert Ellis and you can read up about his technique or you can ask me a question. You can send me an email. So another source of stress uh, I want to mention is living in a state of emergency. What do I mean? A lot of people, you probably know some, and maybe you have an issue with this. Everything is a big deal. Everything is an emergency. Remember, that's flight or fight response. The moment you say, oh God, what's happening? Why is it happening? So the same, your brain reacts uh, to this state of emergency by producing norepinephrine, Norepinephrine increases your heart rate, uh, cortisol is released in your uh, body, and so you, you're, you are ready to fight, but there's no one to fight. It's all happening in your mind. <laughs> so you have to determine, and it can, it can be decided one time, what is a true emergency? Because for so many people, every little thing is an emergency. So you have to, when something happens, you quickly have to ask yourself, is that a true emergency? So let's determine what is true emergency. I tell you what it is. If somebody is holding a gun to your head, man, this is a true emergency. If you see a child ready to run across the street, doesn't see the car is coming, that is a true emergency. Everything else is a false emergency. The stock market falls 1500 points. Is that a true emergency? Absolutely not. Even if you invested all your money in it, today it went down, tomorrow it will go up. Uh, there is a leak in the roof or the pipe is burst. Is that a true emergency? It can be fixed. It's not a big deal. Just keep in mind just this phrase. If something happens and you feel yourself getting tied up, you, you always remember our feelings are not just mental. And I speak about it very often. That's the problem with psychology that they uh, uh, identified our distresses as psychological problems. And then if people have physical problems, they go to see physicians. But most of the time we have organismic responses, the human organism responds to stress, to anxiety, to depression. On mental level, it's confusion or uh, negative thoughts. On an emotional level, it's anxiety or depression. 
And at the same time, it happens in the body. Remember, we are mental, emotional, social, spiritual beings living in the physical body. So there is an immediate body response. If there is no body response, it's not really true. It's not happening. But when something truly happens, something emotional, you feel it in your body, which means your body gets tense. Some people feel stress in their chest, in the throat. Some um, feel tightness in their uh, shoulders, some in the stomach. But it happens somewhere in the body. So the moment you begin to feel that, that um, feeling of tightness, you, it's, it's, a, it's a little bell. It's a, um, a red flag. It's a little red bulb which eh, lights up, which says to you, oops, something is happening in your mind. And you have to ask yourself, what is happening? Is it a true emergency? And once you get involved, just in answering this question, the tightness, the anxiety begins to subside. So this is a little bit about stress. And uh, as we go with this show, I will um, talk a little more. I will talk. I, will talk. I, I don't think I had a, at all uh, a talk about depression. And a number of people wrote to me um, uh, wanted me to talk about it. In fact, a couple of days ago, Gary Nolte called me and he was doing this week-long uh, workshop on longevity, I believe. And out of blue, he called and I, I really wasn't prepared. And that's the best. That's what he does to me. He always surprises me. And then I, I have to live up to <laughs> what he wants me to do. And it's always good. It's spontaneous. He kind of, he relaxes me and makes me more spontaneous because I'm kind of a little more square. I have to be prepared. Da, da, da. And he creates what is called distant stress, healthy stress. He makes me stretch out. So he called, I, uh, and I was actually in the kitchen <laughs> preparing, I think, my lunch. And he said, okay, now Dr. Resnick will be talking. He actually spoke to me about possibly giving a talk, but it was on a totally different day. And suddenly he called me and said, Dr. Resnick will be talking about depression. And I gave an hour and a half talk on depression. Uh, in fact, then he interviewed me again on depression. I think it's, you can hear the whole interview. Uh, uh, I think he has it on last week's Tuesday progressive commentary at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m., so I, I spoke for another hour on depression. Uh, or if you want to wait, again, you can go there on PRN, uh, Gary Noll. Uh, or uh, I will probably spend an hour uh, talking about depression in the future. But let me share with you, I prepared something for you. Uh, I just read a very nice poem written by, and that's about life and stress, by Laura Ding. Edwards, I hope I can read it well for you. If the mountain seems too big today, then climb a hill instead. If the morning brings you sadness, it's okay to stay in bed. If the day ahead weighs heavy and your plans feel like a curse, there is no shame in the rearranging. Don't make yourself feel worse. If a shower stings like needles and the bath feels like you will drown, 
If you haven't washed your hair in for days, don't throw away your crown. A day is not a lifetime. A rest is not defeat. Don't think of it as failure. Just a quiet, kind retreat. It's okay to take a moment from an anxious, fractured mind. The world will still be turning while you get realigned. The mountain will be still there when you want to try again. You can climb it in your own time. Just love yourself till then. Isn't it beautiful? That it's so beautiful because you know, one of the things I speak of is, is don't judge, accept what is. Be gentle with yourself, be accepting. Now, okay, we finally can continue our journey that we started on February 23rd, yeah. When I first introduced to you the program Six Pillars of Well-Being, which is based on my upcoming book, Six Pillars of Well-Being. So far, we covered the pillar of physical reality, then the second pillar, pillar of thoughts, feelings, and self-talk. The third pillar, uh, social conditioning, and the pillar of the fourth pillar, a pillar of unconscious beliefs and attitudes. And two, I believe two or three weeks ago, we started working on the fifth pillar, the biggest stretch of, of this program. Our conscious beliefs and attitudes, I spoke about the 13 challenges uh, within this pillar, uh, and that was 13 challenges, and thir uh, the number one was guilt. If you missed this one, uh, I would suggest very much that you you go back to that day and you look over it because it's so, so important. You go, you know, how PRN's site and go on the shows and schedules and you find the show on Tuesday, uh, Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox, 2 p.m. Uh, it's so important that you do work on guilt because without working on guilt it's super difficult to work on all other issues and again if you worked on guilt and have any questions regarding the work you did just write to me as i already said uh, in order to work on other issues one must first address guilt it's such an imprisoning issue that a person who lives in guilt hardly has any energy to work on anything else. Um, but we have a lot of other issues to deal with ahead of us. If I remember correctly, we also um, covered judgment. I will remind you, I have identified 13 attitudes or attitudinal changes we face uh, and that make our climb up the ladder of self-mastery extremely difficult. Some of us have to deal with um, a few of those challenges and some, like me, <laughs> uh, with all of them. Um, maybe not all of them, but many of them. Uh, so these challenges are guilt, judgment, jealousy, ingratitude, doubt, expectations, worry, anger, arrogance, vanity, greed, apathy, and denial. So let's start our work on jealousy. 
I will permit myself to use the writings of the Torah or the Old Testament, as Christians call it, or the book, as Muslims call it. I want to use it as a springboard to our discussion about jealousy. Uh, if you are an atheist, agnostic, or belong to a spiritual tradition that is different from Judaism, Christianity, or, and Islam, which hold the Torah as the foundation of their faith, then please look at my stories uh, and examples from the Bible as archetypal illustrations of the points that I make. After all, psychology draws a lot from mythology and universal symbolism um, of various cultures. So important is the issue of jealousy uh, that one of the Ten Commandments, the Tenth Commandment, is dedicated solely to the issue of jealousy. Uh, it says, I will quote, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Exodus 20, 17. In fact, this is quite a, a unique commandment because while all other commandments tell people what to do or what not to do, they're all about how to act. This one oversees even one's thoughts and feelings. Because all remember, covet, it's all in your mind. It's a feeling and a thought. I will permit myself to speculate that the reason for this, including this as a commandment, is because it was understood by the creator of the commandments that the feelings of jealousy may be so strong that they may lead to disastrous actions. In fact, the commandments were given way after such actions in response to jealousy were taken. Can you think of what happened? I'll give you a second. The very first murder in the Bible is committed because of what? Jealousy. Cain and Abel, of course. Let's look at the narrative uh, and everything will get clear. Both brothers offer gifts to God. God accepts the gifts of Abel, but leaves the gifts of his brother untouched. Uh, this makes Cain, of course, unhappy. Enough that God noticed that Cain's face, quote, fell. God says to Cain, Cain, why did your face fall? Surely, if you improve yourself, you will be forgiven. From this exchange, we understand that Cain did something that displeased God. So big deal. He screwed up. Man, who doesn't? Uh, he was reprimanded. That's for sure. But also immediately he was given a chance to make things good. The conflict was between who? Cain and God, who graciously offered Cain a way to correct the situation. And the whole thing would be over. But it wasn't over. Why? Because Cain did not just have a problem with God. 
He also looked at his brother and saw that his brother's gifts were accepted. He compared. That was the key. That was the key then. That is the key now. If we compare, we can always find something that others have that we do not have. The key is comparing. Every time we compare ourselves to others, what others achieved, uh, what they have and we don't have, we commit murder. We murder part of ourselves, the part that truly did the best it could at that given time to accomplish what it did. And even though it appears that jealousy is outwardly directed, before anything, you are giving yourself an unconscious suggestion when you are jealous, that who you are is not good enough. Given over and over again, that suggestion becomes part of your subconscious mind, reinforcing greater sense of insecurity, which was probably there in the first place. This does not mean that you are not supposed to aspire to achieve more, to learn more, not at all. That is how we keep growing. It's, look, it's, it's okay to, to be inspired, to look at someone uh, for inspiration, let me tell you actually a little story. Yeah, something, somebody just came to my mind. The story is uh, actually about my, not, it's not about my son, but my son is involved. Uh, Aaron is 22 now. Aaron was six years old. We're talking about 16 years ago. I was working at the Shakhtar Center for Complementary Medicine. And my home, it was in Rockland County, and my home was like a mile, less than a mile away from the center. And I saw a guy there. But my, my wife would take uh, Aaron and, and my daughter, Hannah, um, for at lunchtime and bring me lunch. And it was like if it was a warm time, springtime, we would sit on the grass. There were beautiful, beautiful lawns there and have lunch. So my wife came with, uh, I, I believe with Aaron, I don't remember Hannah being there. Um, and so they, they brought lunch. Um, uh, we had lunch and, and then so we are, we are about to, they're, they're leaving and, and my patient comes in. And since they, you know, they bumped into each other, I introduced them. Um, and introduced, you know, Aaron extended his hand, shook the man's hand, and so I said, I kissed the kids, or Aaron, and, and went to the office with this guy. And the problem with this guy was that he was, first he had liver problems, he was hospitalized a number of times, but he came specifically to see me for uh, therapy, and that is he wanted to curb his impulse to drink. Believe it or not, he was drinking 24 cans of beer, Budweiser. <laughs> 20 can, four cans of beer, uh, apparently, I, I've never seen them in packs, I don't 
during bad viruses. But uh, I, I, what if you call a box or whatever, is 24 cans. And every single day, listen, I could not drink 15 cans of water a day, but he drank 24 cans of beer. And we spoke about why he is doing it, what serve it serves, blah, blah, blah. He was totally addicted to it. I saw him three, four times. And each time I would say, okay, let's do a little behavioral thing, you know, uh, make decisions each time before you drink, say, I'm choosing to drink this can, uh, I'm choosing to drink that can, uh, now I will choose to skip, ta, ta, ta. we tried, and I wanted him to cut down by six. I was hoping each week that he will have not 24, but 18. Why I'm telling you about Aaron. Uh, he met my son Aaron, and I saw, and so we, we, we're in my office, and I tell him, so how did you do this week? He says, you know, again, I couldn't, you know, I, I came to do 18, and it was still 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the evening, and I said, I cannot, I cannot not have it. I will not be able to go to sleep. And I still had one, and then the other one, before I knew I finished all, all bucks, I finished again 26. And I said to him, you know, I want to tell you something. You met my son Aaron, right? And he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, you know, we just, oh, it was holiday Yom Kippur. I don't know if you know, uh, on Yom Kippur, Jewish people fast for 24 hours. You don't drink food, uh, water, you don't eat. And when we were getting ready for Yom Kippur, we were like discussed, my wife and I spoke about it, and Aaron said, so what, 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 what do you mean? You will not going to eat at all? And we said, no, 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 we, we're not going to eat and we're not going to drink. But you are a little boy, so you can eat and drink, you are fine. Uh, only when you're 13 years old, you have to follow this. And she said, no, he screamed, I am a man. I am going to fast with you. And we said, no, I don't check. This is impossible. Like, like, you have to eat something, but for sure you have to drink. And he stepped his, you know, <laughs> food, said, I am a man. You know, what, what are you going to do to, to, to <laughs> dissuade him? I said, okay, just uh, when you get hungry, you eat. When you want to drink, you drink. Uh, don't eat, don't drink for as long as you can. Would you believe, and I'm telling this to this guy, would you believe that the poor kid did not eat and did not drink? He was like walking as in days or somewhere by, by the end of the day, by the end of the fight, but he did not drink and did not eat. And when I told this story to this guy, he started crying. And he said, this little stinker, he could go without food and water for 24 hours. And I, I am 35 year old and I cannot stop myself from drinking. I will show you. That's why I'm telling you the story. Maybe that's because I enjoy telling the story. <laughs> but, and he got inspired. And next week he came smiling and said to me, Doctor, I had 12 cans of beer. 
And this was a huge change. And then it, that was the beginning of success. And then I saw him for a while. We did a lot of behavioral techniques. I did hypnosis to reinforce his success, hypnotized him several times, made a recording, and eventually he stopped. But it took another, I don't know, maybe another three, four months. But the huge change happened when this man was inspired by Aaron. So there is nothing wrong. This is not comparing in a negative way. This is looking for those who inspire you. Uh, it's very different. It's perfectly fine even to have role models. Looking at someone's achievements and admiring him or her for their achievements and having the intention to accomplish the same, that is okay. Uh, uh, what is not okay is looking at someone or something and saying, why I'm not there? Why do I not have what he or she has? Because that person is who she or who he is. And you are not, you are not the same person. A year ago, a month ago, uh, you could not be who you are today. You could be only you. You are who you are. That's what is important to remember. Uh, and you may chart the course for actions today, of what actions you want to take. And it's up to you. You make whatever changes you want to make or acknowledge that where you are in your life does not allow you to have what you want right now. So celebrate what you do have. Even the fact that you can take a breath is a gift. And then set your intention for the days to come. And that is all to it. And there is yet another uh, interesting uh, lesson in the Bible I want to tell you regarding uh, comparing and jealousy. But, but let me reiterate, the most important thing is not to compare your, not only yourself to others, yourself to yesterday or the day before yesterday. All that matters is what is now and what choices you make of where you want to go. But another lesson uh, on the subject of jealousy is also very interesting, I believe. In fact, it's the first place the word jealousy actually is used because I said about jealousy when, with Cain and Abel, but there is no word, uh, the Hebrew word for jealousy there. It's just simply that Cain arose against Abel and killed him. But the word jealousy is used in a different situation, and it's in the story uh, of Joseph. His father, Jacob, favors him and gives him a very beautiful gift. If you remember the whole story, you know, Jacob has 12 sons, and, uh, you know, many of most of them from different, not oh, his favorite wife, uh, Rachel, but from Leah. Um, Leah, but uh, um, Joseph is really his, his, at that point, youngest son, and he favors them a lot. And so Jacob makes a beautiful um, 
beautiful uh, whatever outfit, jacket, maybe whatever it is, and it shows uh, he, Jacob doesn't make this kind of um, present for anybody else, but only to Joseph. And that's, of course, his brothers become jealous, and it end up ends up in tragedy. Um, and the lesson is when we're in position of authority, as Jacob was, yes, he loved inside, he could love more. We, we're human beings, we favor some people or others. But we must consider our actions and not to overtly favor one person over the other. So not to elicit jealousy. So not only we must not be jealous toward others, compare ourselves to ourselves, but also be aware of what impact our actions, our expression of our appreciation will have on other people. Also, another example of jealousy, Joseph had a night dream in which he clearly saw his brothers being subservient to him. And Joseph shared this dream with his brothers. Now, what was wrong with this action? He did not make up a dream. It happened. And he honestly, sincerely told the story. Yes, honestly. Honestly was the, but not consideration. Of course, Joseph was 17 years old. But we as adults must always consider what impact what we say will have on, on people, on others. And it is our responsibility not to do or say things which may trigger jealousy or pain in others. So if you want to deal uh, with this issue of jealousy, here is your assignment for the for the week, if you want, or for two weeks, because for two weeks I will not be talking uh, about the six pillars of well-being. Next week we'll have um, we'll have a guest. Hopefully she can make it. I'm uh, inviting Natasha McBride from England. She's a medical doctor, and she has an interesting approach to. Um, to dieting and, and eating and what's right, what's not right to eat. She, she's a physician, actually like me from the former Soviet Union, but he's, she's been in, living in England for 20 years and I came across her book and I found it quite interesting and her approach quite unique. So I want you to be exposed to as many um, innovative ways of taking care of your well-being as possible. But to have freedom to choose, that's why I invite people from with different opinions. So, going back, if you decide if, that you need to deal uh, that you uh, with the issue of jealousy, every day this is your assignment. You start every morning by going by going over every blessing in your life. But here's how you do it: you think of one blessing something good that you have in your life. And then imagine as clearly as you can suddenly not having it or losing it. And get in touch with the feeling of loss. 
as much as you can. Then go back to the same blessing that you have and realize that you do have it and celebrate it in your mind. Then the next blessing. I know it may take a little time, but do it every morning. And also, any time you become aware of being jealous of someone, something, mentally say to yourself, oops, I am where I am. And that is the right perfect perfect place for me. What I choose to do is my choice. And then in your mind, shift to one of the blessings that you have in your life. Okay. So now let's uh, let me see if I still have time. I want to start talking about the next subject, gratitude, uh, or, or, or ingratitude. Um, in fact, the the issue, the, the problem, the challenge is ingratitude. Webster's Dictionary defines ingratitude as forgetfulness of or poor return of kindness received. It can also be defined as not appreciating or valuing what you have or what has been given to you. Unexpressed gratitude is also ingratitude. And ingratitude leads to sense of entitlement. It's a huge, huge issue on its own. We'll not touch on it today. If you follow a spiritual tradition, I don't need to talk to you about ingratitude or you don't need to listen because gratitude uh, to the creator, to the source of all being, to your ancestors, uh, uh, is one of the fundamental principles of all spiritual traditions. So they all talk about gratitude and being, being thankful. So uh, here is some practical usefulness of this principle uh, of, of gratitude versus ingratitude. Think of the content of your mind. Remember the principle uh, or that uh, is at the foundation of all spiritual traditions is that which is inside is outside and that which is outside is inside, right? Or as above, so below. But the most beautiful illustrations with this Chinese yin and yang, black within white, white within black. So that which is inside of you becomes manifested in the outside, right? When your mind is filled with gratitude, it is gratitude for something, money, good health, uh, enough food, having a roof over your head, a nice evening, an interesting conversation, a good night of sleep, whatever it is. When all this is inside, what does it attract from the outside? According to this principle, uh, it attracts the like. Remember, the, the, uh, the underlying principle like inside outside is basically that which is the like into itself is drawn. I repeat, that which is the like into itself is drawn or like attracts like. So, so According to this principle, if your mind is filled with gratitude for this or that, you keep attracting this or that. And what if you are not grateful? You were never taught that it's important to be grateful or worse, you are arrogant and suffer from a sense of 
entitlement. Remember, your mind is never empty. It's, your mind is never empty. It's always full of something. Let's say good things are happening to you and you just accept them as normal, as if that's how it's supposed to be. Then your mind goes to other things, usually some concerns to be attended or challenges to be met. And let's suppose you attended the concerns and met the challenges. But habitually, once again, you were not grateful. What is the persistent presence in your mind? New challenges, problems, right? What do you attract more and more? More of the same. Challenges and problems. And finally, one of these days you feel stressed, worn down, exasperated. You stop and say, enough. When do I get a break? How about gratitude for change? It does not matter whether it, uh, God uh, likes, you, you call it God or nature or the unknown. It doesn't matter. You have to be thankful to the universe or life. And when you are full of that gratitude, you attract gratitude. That's it's so simple. As you practice gratitude or gratefulness for simple things, you may notice little positive changes in your everyday life. In the way you feel, I'm, I'm challenging you. Even if you have not tried it, try it. Make a choice for one week. Just do that for one week. Notice every little good thing and be grateful to it, for it. Every little positive change, be grateful, acknowledge it. And if there is something happening that you do not like or that is in need uh, or you wish to be changed, you say, don't ask, please take it away or please, I really need money. Remember the mirror principle then your mind is filled with that which you don't want. Your you, mind is filled with, with or in content of your mind, attracts the like. And what will come into your life, exactly that, the thing that you are trying to get will become your reality. And all you will need is to get that. You are attracting what you need, but not what you need, but, but the need for it. So if you say, God, I really need money, what you will bring is circumstances in which you need money. But if you say, thank you, God, universe, or source of all uh, being, or X, whatever it is, for allowing me to find a way to resolve this problem, to get rid of this or that, or for helping me to get the money. So now you're Mind is filled, filled with gratitude for help. And so what do you attract? Help to get what? The money. If you are grateful for that. You understand? As you practice gratitude to the universe, you find that you will become more comfortable with it, with gratitude. It will become more natural to be grateful to your fellow human beings as well. Then you will be a changed person, really. For, uh, you know, as a, uh, ancient Roman philosopher Cicero said, 
gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, but the parent of them all. Isn't that beautiful? But remember, it's simply practical. It works. So, but the only way you will know whether it's what I'm saying to you is true is if you try it out. So I encourage you, just like I told you with, with jealousy, uh, uh, as I said, in, in the next week, I will be talking hopefully to Natasha McBride. And then two weeks from now, I think I will go back to talking about face reading. We remember we started two weeks ago, we started uh, talking about face reading. So I want to continue with face reading and then we'll have a guest. And then finally, I will come back to six pillars of well-being. So we'll actually have four weeks for you to practice. So if you want, you can take two weeks um, practicing the the jealousy issue if you have if you think that you have an issue uh, and two more weeks of practicing gratitude oh, again i'm suggesting that but you can choose whatever you want to do on your own pace and um, and that is all for today we're coming to an end of our show i'm looking at the clock I really appreciate you, um, my dear listeners. And now I feel we have a little community, and we have actually a big community, because they tell me that I see thousands of people actually. I hear, oh, thousands of people hear me. I don't see you, but I imagine you somewhere, maybe in a car, maybe at home on a computer. All right, Sagar, it's on your way. So, and I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback, uh, getting your emails. And uh, again, in the future, we give you the telephone number to call. You can always call. I, I will try in one of the talks, again, to go back to the subject of night dreams. I spoke about it exhaustively, uh, I think somewhere in January. Uh, and I think that I dedicated two, if not three shows to it. But it's such a huge issue, such an interesting issue. I will bring it up shortly. I will summarize it in one of the shows and then give you a chance to call. The more people call with Night Dreams, the more I will take time and work with you on Night Dreams right uh, there on the show live. And now our show is coming to an end. And I want to thank you for being with me today. And I hope uh, you will be with us uh, during the interview next week next tuesday at 2 p.m peace to all who want to live in peace Adelante,